Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 88. It is Tuesday, September 5th, 2017. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is the, my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's good, everybody? Yes, we are back once again on Facebook Live, a brand new episode for y'all. Uh, our main topic uh, later on in the program is Marvel's The Defenders, their latest series on Netflix, which is the culmination of all of their Netflix series to date. To date, yeah. Yes. There's more coming. Oh, yes. Sweet uh, Jesus. Yeah, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and um, yeah, the, the 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 other guy. Oh, so, just okay. We'll go into it. Yeah, so we'll uh, go into it. give Iron Fist some type of love, some love. Yeah, well, he he's like he he's 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 definitely the the jobber of the group. Um, I'm trying to think of like a good analogy for Iron Fist. Like I'm thinking of like musical groups that have that one member that's nothing special at all. And, <sighs> musical group that had one member. Yeah. Dipset, Freaky Ziki. Yeah, sure, we can go with that. Or maybe De- Destiny's Child, like um, Michelle. Is it? It means it's a toss up between Michelle and Latoya Luckett as a non-special Latoya member. Latoya Luckett had her moments. Yeah. All right. Well, in any case, Dip- I, I would compare him to more to Latoya Luckett. He really didn't get any proper shine until. Defenders. Oh, okay. Yeah. You get more better development to Defenders. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah. We'll we'll we'll, we'll go with that. So, in other words, you know, Danny Rand, he's that he's that guy in the group. Just nothing special. He's just a. He's a better support. He's a better supporting character than he is a, a main star. Yeah. I'll. I'll that's I'll, what I. That's what I would say. That's what I give. Him. I'll agree with that to a to a point. But uh, we'll we'll get into that in our Defenders. Oh, uh, shut shit out. I actually do like to see some good in some things. Well, not everything has good in it. No, but some things, there's still some things. There's still some. But we'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, for, for those of you on the Facebook chat, thank you for joining us. Oh, right now it's just Aris, and there's a couple of other people as well. Yeah, Aris says, fuck Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent review of the show, my friend. So, with all that said... Iron Fist is the Roman Reigns of the Netflix Marvel <laughs> Mm-hmm. He gets that main event character, that main character push, even though he's total trash. Yeah, that's that's a very apt. Uh, There's some people who will argue with that. With that oh God, who will argue with that? Yeah, that's that's a very apt. Hey, Claire. Uh, yeah, very apt uh, comparison, Aris. And you know, I would say that you know, Danny Rand is like old man Undertaker of the group. Now, see, no, he's, no, now you're just being a dick. <laughs> now you're just being a dick. He, he, I'm he, not even gonna let you finish it because <laughs> you're just being a dick. He's just a, nope. He's just no. That's enough. Washed up. Let's move on. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> all right, then. Uh, with all that said, Carl, what have you been up to this past week? Labor Day weekend. Yeah. And Sunday, even though it was raining and all that, well, we had our cookouts. I went to a couple of cookouts, DJed one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sunday was just rather, like, mi- rainy, miserable. Mm-hmm. So I spent that day watching Knuckles Season 3. Okay. Now that's the Pablo Escobar story. Yes. Well, um, season three, season three is the aftermath. At the end of season two, uh, Pablo Escobar gets captured and killed. Okay. So, um, the season three kind of like, um, well, not kind of like, it um, depicts the rise of the Cali cartel, who are like number two in the the 
cocaine drug ring. Okay. So yeah, they were second largest, and then with Pablo Escobar dying, they shoot up, they shot on up to number one. Mm. So now this season is basically them um, trying to take down the Cali cartel. Oh, okay. That sounds real interesting. So um, I I would say as of right now I would definitely say like seasons one and two were better just because Pablo Escobar was more, I was more interested in learning about him. Mm-hmm. But as I'm learning about the Cali Cartel, this story this story is actually pretty good. Hmm. All right, so it's like pretty- I'm really hooked. I'm pretty hooked. I think I have like two episodes left. Oh, okay. And how many episodes per season? Ten. Oh, nice. Okay. What up, Sandra? DC Four L. Okay. Yeah. So um, so you, that's the show you recommend I get into? Oh yeah, definitely. All right. Definitely. If you like to be um, informed, especially <laughs> even though things happened like 20 years ago, 20 yeah. something years ago, it's, hmm. it's still it's still cool enough to learn about something. I mean, Pablo Escobar, his story was alone. Like I learned over the weekend, like he lost two point one billion dollars to rats and mold. Wow. He made so much money. Mm. That he had to stash it away. He stashed so much away, and um, yeah, two point one billion dollars just went for like rats eating it, and then they had to hide it and like hide it in the walls and underground and everywhere, and you know, mold and stuff just got to it. Mm. So yeah, rats and mold. Dang, took what? away two point one billion dollars, and it was nothing to him. Wow, that was just like sock drawer money right there. That was literally. <laughs> hmm. Okay, yeah, I might have to start watching that show because it is a fascinating uh, bit of history, right? There. Oh yeah, definitely. And then one thing I found interested too, like during the um, during season three, there's more hip hop. Is there? Yeah, like they're showing a scene in New York. One of the um, Cali Cartel members was um, was headquartered was um, running his, running business in New York, mm-hmm. and they're showing the New York skyline with the twin towers. Yep. And I hear Drew the Jam- Damager. Name I can't name of the song I can't remember, but yeah, they mm. they're playing Poison. That was actually a really good scene, by the way. Hmm. Okay. All and, right. Um, oh yeah, when you shoot, yeah, when, when the guy like shoots up uh, Dominicans trying to move in on his territory. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Iris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and who's the main actor that plays uh, uh Escobar? It's in the, a- who plays who? Who plays uh, Escobar the, or the main character? No, Escobar. Remember, he's dead. Yeah. So that was played by Wagner Mora. Okay. All right, and then um, I forget the names of the current cast, but it's actually um, Pablo Pascal who plays uh, DEA agent Javier Pena. Okay. And um, he was a main. He was um, one of the main agents in seasons one and two. But then now he's he basically took over, you know, the whole operation in season three. Yeah. Okay. And if you don't remember him, he played Oberyn in Game of Thrones. Ah, yes. Okay. Nice. Uh, the dude from Dorne, right? I believe so, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm all so, right. I'll... So, yeah, Narcos. Seasons one, two, and three. All right. I definitely recommend that. Cool. And on Friday, I actually I had some time to kill. So I checked out um, Marvel's Inhumans on IMAX. Ah, okay. <laughs> now, this is the first two episodes, right? Yeah, it was the first two episodes. Um Beautifully shot okay. on IMAX. I don't think I've ever seen anything on IMAX that was shot bad. No. Yeah, okay. That's, that's part I mean, of the course. Okay, maybe I Am Number 4 mm-hmm. was an exception. But I, had to, I guess that was, you know, at that time, the only time it was showing at that time was um, 
in IMAX, so I was like, all right, whatever, I'll watch it. Yeah. And it was not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it was beautifully shot. Um, the show is okay. All right. Um, I would probably put it below Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., slightly mm-hmm. below. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to go see it because I really don't have much info on the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. So I thought, let me go see it. Let me go check this out just to see, you know, just to learn about them a little bit. Um, yeah. Obviously, this, okay, the show, uh, the Inhumans, they live, on a, they live on a moon, in a hidden colony on the moon. Mm-hmm. And um, their king is Black Bolt and the queen is Medusa. Okay. So, um, and um, what's his name? Maximus, who's the brother of Black Bolt, which is played by Ewan Rian. I probably said his name wrong. Mm-hmm. Who played? Who plays Ramsey Bolton? Of course. I was on the show. What up, Adrian? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, uh, Maximus was disagreeing with some of the things that Black Bolt says, and not to mention Black Bolt can't talk at all because, like, whenever he talks, like he shoots like this big sonic wave that can possibly like kill, that could kill people okay and um so he's talking in um sign language at all what up what's going on laura and um maxim maximus was disagree- disagreeing with some of the things that um black Bolt was trying to do like he, black Bolt basically wanted to keep peace and you know he wanted to and especially if the with the with humans trying to kill inhumans mm-hmm. but maximus was like Yo, we need to go down there and kill these humans before they try to kill us, even though he's part partially human himself. Yeah. So Maximus actually ended up turning his back on his brother and then taking over the kingdom while Black Bow and so several of the other inhumans are stuck on Earth, mm-hmm. you know, trying to avoid being killed and all that. And I'm obviously we'll probably see more of it when the show premieres on August twenty on September twenty ninth. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. Like check it out if it's still in the theater. I would you know I would recommend it. It's something cool to watch. It's something new to get into to help with your uh, Game of Thrones withdrawal. Mm. Now uh, is this uh, another Inhumans? They were featured on Agents, Agents of Shield. Yes, but not these, but not this particular group. Okay. Like uh, Quake is a, is an inhuman. Certain inhumans from here and there mm-hmm. were um, were featured in in um, Agents of Shield. They were introduced in Agents of Shield, but um, yeah, the main story the main story of the Inhumans is in this show coming up. Okay, and uh, I understand that they have a teleporting dog called Lockjaw. Lockjaw. He yeah. was a kind of a cool character. Hmm. Like he's just a huge dog, and he just they're like, hey, Lockjaw. Send me to this place. You touch him, and you're exactly where you're. Hmm. Inhumans currently has a zero percent Rotten Tomatoes rating. <laughs> it did pretty. It actually did pretty well in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Like an average number, it did like the same numbers as the game when Game of Thrones was on IMAX, hmm. which I'm kind of mad that I missed. Hmm. No, that would have been epic. Yeah. So I mean. Just whatever. You can generate your own opinion on it, but it's okay. All right. Check it out if you want. Now, now based on those two episodes you saw, is it better than Iron Fist? They're neck and neck. Oh. They're neck and neck. That's that's not that's not <laughs> that's very... not really selling it too well, but they pretty much are neck and neck. Oh God, Maurice done join the show. What up, Maurice? Yay. 
Maurice, back from the grave. Welcome. I guess, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, check it out if you want. I mean, I thought it was all right. Okay. All right. Anything uh, else? Nope. All right. Okay, well, uh, I'll I'll file in humans under my uh, I'll get to it, but probably never uh, files. Just like Sons of Anarchy. I mean, I'll, I'll get. I mean, there are other shows that are that have uh, captured my interest as of now, um, but I will get to Sons of Anarchy uh, in due time. Um, Ballers, you're not gonna watch Ballers. I'll, I'll watch Ballers. I like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, even though it's about sports men and women, right? Is that what it's about? You know it's about football. You don't need to act on eh, sports men and women and all that. You know it's about football. Okay, yeah, fine. Um, speaking of football, apparently the, the season begins on Thursday or whatever. Yes. Yes. And I will not be watching the, so, the season opener. Mm-hmm. But sun, Sunday is when my season opener starts. All right. So that's when the, the Dallas uh, Cowgirls play? You know. Play? First of all, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I don't know the names My of teams. Da- you know exact you know the <laughs> names of these teams. Stop trying to act all bougie and shit. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean that's that's, that's my Dallas Cowboys take on the New York Giants, Sunday night football. Okay. That's when officially my season officially starts. All right, that's cool. You know, um hey, best of luck to the Dallas Cowboys. They haven't won anything since Bill Clinton was in office, but we haven't won the championship, but we have won many NFC East titles. Yeah, no one remembers or knows what those are, but okay, no, I'll, I'll take your word for it. You, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's that's. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that I like about our show now is that we don't have to talk about football anymore, which is great. We can. Yeah, I'm good. We definitely can. Nah, I mean, I mean, uh, best of luck to your to your Cowboys team. You know, I hope that uh, that they blaze past the. Uh, Listen, the, the future is bright. The future is bright. Yeah, you know, I hope they blaze past the New England Patriots and their obnoxious fan base. And their trash quarterback and their trash coach. I mean, I really hope that a different team, you know, wins it. You know, I mean, give it, give it to the loser. Give it to a loser losing team like the Cowboys. You know, I'm, I'm fine with that. Team. We're America's team. Really? We are America's team. Wouldn't it yeah, be? we got the biggest fan page. We are the most profitable franchise in the world. Really? Even more than those rich ass soccer teams that have Emirates owns or so, sponsors. Wait, Cowboys are still pro- the most profitable? We are still the most profitable team. How is but how? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't it be the Patriots? Nah, they're like number 5, I think. Okay. Well, that's too high for them if you ask me, but okay. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you can And the hater is on. Y'all done with the spoilers, do we even get to them yet? <laughs> yeah, that's that's towards uh later on in the show. Uh, Mike Medina said something right here. Yeah, he says, "Forget football. Come see me wrestle Friday." Yo, what's the info? Post the info on our um social on our Facebook page. It yeah. will definitely spread the word. Word, word. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Speaking of uh, TV. Yeah. What you been up to? Uh, yeah. Um, I've I've been, <laughs> I've been I've been watching some other shows on HBO. Yeah, so I can continue justifying my HBO Now subscription. <laughs> uh. There's some new shows coming up. Wait, we can get to it. Yeah. Uh let's see. Um I've 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 started watching Boardwalk Empire. Okay. Which is a really good show. Oh, I've heard another I heard a lot of good things about that. Yeah, it, it's an excellent series. Um it's about uh, it's a, it's like a historical fiction about uh gangsters and corrupt politicians in the prohibition era in the 1920s. Okay. And um uh Steve Buscemi, he plays the main character, uh, Nucky Thompson. Who's like this corrupt uh, uh, treasurer of the of New Jersey, 
of, of, of Atlantic City. And uh, he's basically, uh, you know, glad handing uh, of other other fellow corrupt politicians. His brother uh, Elias uh, or Eli, he's the sheriff of Atlantic City, and together they they you know they work with other bootleggers and other gangsters to kind of um, ship to kind of uh, uh, import illegal or rather uh, uh, actual actual. Uh, alcohol into the states mm-hmm. since it's since it's all rendered illegal they work with other bootleggers to kind of apply their trade crafting and make profits on the side um it's, it's like i said it's a fantastic series and i'm really surprised that nobody among our circle really has ever watched has never ever watched that show really like i don't know anybody yeah, i've ever heard anybody talk about it yeah, which is surprising because it's a fantastic crime drama and it's a fantastic, you know, b- bit of historical fiction. I'm I'm in the middle of second se- of of season two. How many seasons are there all together? Uh, five. Oh, okay. And there's uh twelve episodes per season. Uh, season five has eight episodes. So the series originally ran from 2010 to 2014. Okay. And you know, I'm I'm definitely gonna uh, finish it uh, before year's end. So I'll. That's your little Game of Thrones fix. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 my go-to show because I've always wanted to watch it for like a number of years. It's gonna last you like a week, especially with the way you watch, um, the way you go through shows. <laughs> yeah, I I tend to, I have enough time to go through shows like water, so I'll probably get it done much sooner. Um, I've been watching that. Uh, I've I've got I started I started to watch uh, this other unique series called Room One Hundred Four mm-hmm. on on HBO. It's like an anthology uh, series uh, by the Duplass brothers, Jay and. I want to say Mike Duplass, and like each episode takes place in this one ho- Mark book. Duplass. Mark Duplass, thank you. He plays Pete in the league. Yeah. God, I missed that show. Yeah, the league. Okay. Kyle says Game of Thrones is overrated. You're overrated, Kyle. But um, that's the hater. Yeah, but uh, but Room 104 is pretty interesting. Um, it's like uh, each episode takes place in this motel room, Room 104, and uh, it focuses on different, uh, different um. Sick. Uh, different um, visitors of the hotel of this whole particular hotel room, and each and each uh, each particular character they represent like a, they, they kind of focus on a different like genre like one's horror one's uh, like a creepy this creepy story of um, of this kid who may have an evil twin in the bathroom. Um, I've I've watched the first uh, four episodes, and there was one featuring Orlando Jones as this weird cult leader. Oh. And um and and like he's trying he's trying to convert this 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 woman I forget the actress who plays her but he's he plays her these these DVD tapes and it's um and uh, the cult leader the real cult leader that Orlando Jones works for is played by Tony Todd who you know as Candyman <laughs> and it's 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 so weird and but but the weirdest episode I've seen I so think far Candyman was still alive yeah he's t- Tony Todd no he's still around he's still doing it. Um, the weirdest episode featured James Vanderbeek as, um... Moxon? Yeah. Johnny Moxon? Yeah, that dude, yeah. Dawson's Creek. And, like, him and his wife, they, they invite this pizza delivery boy into their, into their room, and they start getting into this weird sexual role play where they try to, um, where they, they, they keep the, the, the pizza boy against his will. And uh, there's one part where the wife, where where James Vanderbilt, he has to leave the motel room to get his wallet because he forgets it in the in the room. He forgot it in his car. So his wife is just sitting there. She's all scantily clad. She's in lingerie, and she tells the pizza boy to deliver the meat lover's pizza to their bed. So he puts the he puts the pizza on the bed, and then as soon as he does that, uh, James Vanderbilt comes back in the room, and he's like, "So you mean to tell me that you went to your you went you you went to the bed near my wife, and you gave her." 
the meat lovers. You gave her your meat lovers, and then it gets super weird from there. It's that that sounds that sounds very weird. It, it does. Fact, Eric Silver says it sounds like a good show to watch while you're sleeping. Um, some episodes. I would say that the fourth episode, the fourth episode, I didn't really care for. Um, but 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 the James Vanderpeek episode was definitely the best one because it was so weird and like unpredictable. That's your cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, I I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought it was. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I never heard. I ne- I never heard meat lovers at pizza as a youth as a sexual euphemism, but hey, that's that's a cre- that's a creative way of of using that term. And but what channel is this on HBO? Yeah, it's on HBO. It uh, Room HBO, not Skinamax. Yeah, it's HBO. It's called Room One Hundred Four, and they air uh, new episodes every Friday night. That could be your Friday night. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, other thing I've I've been up to I've I've actually uh, finished watching the rest of the May Young Classic tournament on the WWE Network. Mm. Um, I won't give any spoilers, so I won't I won't give any match results. Um, uh, this week, uh, uh, yesterday, WWE posted the second round, the quarterfinals, and the semifinals. Yeah, and the semifinals of the tournament. So next Tuesday on SmackDown at 10 p.m., they're going to show the uh, final two competitors, and they're going to compete for the Mae Young Classic trophy. Now, how many episodes so far? Uh, let me see. The first one, like, two weeks ago. No, not two weeks ago. Last, last, last week, Monday, was four episodes, and this one is, I believe, six yeah, six episodes. That's a lot of wrestling. Yeah, Ronda Rousey was there too. Yeah, apparently there's there's like there's like this mini storyline brewing um behind the scenes where Shayna Baszler, who's one of the competitors of the, yeah. the tournament, you know, she's one of the four UFC horsewomen, and three of them, Ronda Rousey and the two other ones, I forget their names, um, they're they're. They had a couple of standoffs with the with the WWE's four horsewomen, uh, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Bailey. And so there's been kind of some kind of tense standoffs between them backstage, like they're teasing something. I saw the picture and I came across the video. I just didn't have, didn't get a chance to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything would come out of it. Ultimately, maybe it's just like publicity to kind of hype Shayna Baszler, who's who's very good in the ring. Um, but yeah, I like what I saw in the first round. Yeah, um, she's definitely the Pete Dunn of the tournament in that she's like the 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 heel that that you just love to hate. Because she she pulls some real heel shit, which I won't spoil. All right. There were some other other very good matches on there. Um, uh, For example, uh, uh, Mercedes Martinez, the uh, 16 year ring vet, uh, versus Princessa Suhey, the lucha. I saw. Okay, that one I saw. That was like in the first round, right? Uh, No, this was a second round. Uh, Yeah, they they wrestled separate matches separate matches in the first round. Oh. Yeah. So they had they they mixed it up and they had they had some very good chemistry. I, I like to see more of these two athletes in the future. Um, Abby Leith uh, f- uh, wrestled uh, Rachel Evers, uh, the daughter of Paul Ellering. Yeah. Uh, Abby Leith was very good in the ring. So is uh, uh, Rachel Evers. She does. T- she has tons, tons of potential to uh, succeed. Now with Rachel Evers, I know she had a match with uh, your favorite Marty Bell. Marty Bell. Yeah. In, in Marty the f- Bell. in the first round. Now I now I, I heard somewhere I heard on the uh, on a wrestling podcast I listened to uh, Solo Monster Sounds Off that apparently Marty Bell was originally going to go over Rachel Evers. Really? Yeah, but they called an audible like on in the, during the middle of the match because that's appa- a shame. Yeah, because apparently um, the match wasn't wasn't very good, and I guess Triple H or somebody backstage wanted told the referee to have Rachel Evers go over Marty Bell, mm-hmm. which 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 is too bad because you know I, I didn't think Marty Bell was that bad you know. I thought it was okay. Yeah, maybe you know everyone has an off night now and then. 
but I hope to see more of her in the future because she is talented. Um, Fingers oh, crossed. Yeah. Uh, one of the most uh, distinct uh, uh, matches I saw in the Mae Young Classic in the second round was um, uh, Serena Deeb versus Piper Niven. And Piper Niven, she's like the big, the big woman. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, from Scotland. And she's, and like for her size, she can move quite fast. And, and, and her match with, uh, and Piper Niven's match with Serena D told a really good story where, where there was a huge size, size, uh, you know, gulf between the two. And every, every time Serena Deep hit a move on, on Piper Niven, it also hurt Serena D because it's like all that weight crashing down on her, too. So it's kind of like an uphill battle. Yeah, I heard they were like really fat shaming uh, Piper. What's her name? Piper, Piper Niven. Piper Niven, yeah. Like on social media, they roasted her. Yeah, I heard about that. I haven't, I haven't read any of the comments, but I, I heard did. that. Oh, I, I did. Like I heard it was on their WWE's Facebook page, yeah. I believe. Yeah, that's. They were bad. Yeah. They were pretty bad. Yeah, that's which is which is like I mean y'all y'all should be ashamed of yourselves, man. That's not cool. I mean, because Piper Niven's really talented. She probably won the whole thing because of that. Now, hey, you know what? Uh, whether whether she wins or not, man, I just I hope I haven't so. seen it, so yeah, I don't know. Like I would say that Piper Niven is like Nia Jax, except likable and with more talent and charisma. I like Nia Jax. <sighs> the thing I about do. I mean, I I don't I don't want to I don't want to be too down on Nia Jax. Like she has, but she has much a lot of room to grow but like she doesn't have any charisma she doesn't have any she doesn't have a real personality she's just big and imposing and she and her moveset is limited yeah she's big but i, well, I just like her uh, she's got a she's got i don't know she's got to show more personality if you ask me um she had she she definitely has it like i saw a bad i saw one in one of the you know backstage antics that you know the wrestlers do where they did like some tight pants dance it was mm-hmm. like hey, it was like her, uh, Maurice, Miz, Alexa Bliss, Titus O'Neil, and they're just like dancing to like some song about tight pants. Hmm. Okay, um, but I will say that the standout of the of the Mae Young Classic tournament is Kyrie Sane, the pirate princess from Tokyo, Japan. Didn't see her yet. Oh my gosh, yo, I didn't see her yet. yo, so Kyrie, Kyrie Sane, formerly the Kyrie Hojo in Nia Japan. Nia Jax equals the female viscera. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't go that that's far. Bad. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but uh, Kyrie Sane, she is the standout of the Mae Young Classic. I mean, like she's just awesome. She's just a joy to watch. Um, I like her whole pirate persona gimmick. Um, and 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 without hyperbole, she has the best elbow drop in the business today. Like Macho Man, the late great Macho Man Randy Savage would be so proud. I mean, I will go. I will say this: Randy Savage obviously had the best elbow drop in his time. Kyrie Sane has the best el- diving elbow drop off the top rope today in our time. You see big shows last night. Uh, yeah. It, let's let's just say that big show ain't no Kyrie Sane when it, come, when it comes to elbow drops. <laughs> let's just. Was that was but, funny to me. That yeah. whole thing was funny. Yeah, but um, uh, a, cu- a cu- couple other things about the uh, thing about the Mayon Classic. Um. Uh, Candice LeRae, uh, definitely another standout, uh, a.k.a. Candice Wrestling, uh, the wife of Johnny Gargano. Um, mm. Yeah, she's, she's really good. Uh, she has a unique-looking uh, swing, swinging neckbreaker off the, top, off the second turnbuckle called Miss Candice's Wild Ride. That's the name of her finisher. Um, I'd like to see more of her. Hopefully, she'll be on NXT. Um, Dakota Kai. Oh man, she's really good. She's from New Zealand. She's like the New Zealand version of Bailey. She kind of looks like Bailey too. I think I've seen her. Yeah. I mean, like the bracketology. 
Yeah, like she had a match against Rhea Ripley, who's from Australia. Yeah. Um, they had a very good match together. Uh, Dakota Kai hurt. She has the she has Finn Balor's signature move, the uh, coup de gras. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, lastly, uh, Tony Storm. Oh man, another Australian uh, wrestler, twenty one years of age, but man, she wrestles like a veteran. Like she's really good. And hopefully she'll be signed to NXT as well if she's not already because man, she's a prime time talent. Her and Kyrie Sane, man, I, I we got to see more of them. Uh, hopefully I finish Knuckles either today or tomorrow, and then I can get back on. I can get back on the tournament. Yeah, so yeah, the May Young Classic. Uh, you can watch the whole uh, tournament um, uh, on the WWE Network, and of course the final match uh, of the tournament between the last two competitors is next week. On SmackDown, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern. You shut your face. I'm not, well, I'm all not. Right, all right, just don't tell, don't tell me. All right, I ain't going to spoil it. Uh, yeah. That it? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Actually, why don't you talk about the, um, you can probably explain it better than, better than I can, the okay. uh, murder mystery dinner that we went to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, a friend of the show, Furman, uh, his, his wife, Crystal, it was her uh, birthday. Uh, birthday celebration last Friday, and uh, we went to uh, the uh, Providence Bravo. Bravo, some, some yeah, some I know Bravo's proud of it. Yeah, or Bravo Providence. Maybe I'm getting the name mixed up. But yeah. we went we went to the restaurant. It's on Empire Street in downtown Providence, and uh, it was dinner theater, and it was apparently like a, like a parody of The Godfather, where um, these mental patients. Uh, basically, uh, um, well, one of the mental pa- one of the mental patients was uh, like so, 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 so styled himself as like Vito Corle- Don Vito Corleone, and he wanted to find uh, a new Don to take his place. Like the inmates were running the asylum, and so in between the the the, the servings uh, of the dinner, we had uh, we were treated to a really funny and you know uproarious uh, dinner theater with the actors there. And um, I was one of the uh, participants plucked from the uh, from the crowd. I was uh, Al, the actor Pacino. Um, Did he call you gay? Something like that? No. Okay. No. I don't know why I remember that, but I know you guys hugged for like a long time. <laughs> nah, no, nah, like he he called no he, he called me normal because like I didn't act insane. Like I just I just went up and hugged him. Like hey, what's up? <laughs> Um, but it, it was it was it was unique. It was pretty unique. It was it was pretty cool. I've never been I've never been to dinner theater. So it was fun. Yeah, so it was pretty fun. It was uh, fun. Then you got to write down and choose who and um, pick who you thought was the killer. Yeah, um, yeah, and of course Furman thought it was me, but it would have been too obvious. And then I went to I went with it, so I said for for them, they asked who done it. I put Victor. Mm-hmm. He said how they did it. I put cannibalism. <laughs> Why they did it? Because you have a flesh-eating fetish. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I mean, that movie Raw is awesome, but I mean, come on, man. The the the, the truth. I mean, that's that's not that's that's not true, or is it? So yeah, it was it was a it was it was pretty fun. Um, and uh, oh yeah, and TJ, he was one of the uh, he was a gun-toting um, uh, one of the gun-toting uh personnel he was supposed to be in charge of the patients as well oh yeah yeah he was yeah. a bit trigger he was a bit trigger happy yeah his, i guess that's his only time of holding a gun and the gun was fake so mm. yeah so yeah that, that was that was fun so uh yeah big shout outs to crystal uh and, and Furman. it was a fun fun times to be had by all yeah definitely yeah so what's next uh what's next here we got some news and items uh for this week uh gonna touch on them um, the first one, first one is of interest. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, the Oscar winner, 
is eyed for the lead role in the Joker origin movie by Warner Brothers. Uh, apparently, Warner Brothers plans to use the pr- producer, Martin Scorsese, who is producing the Joker origin movie, into to luring DiCaprio into starring in the film. Uh, the studio also intends to cast a high-profile actor as the Joker if DiCaprio turns it down. I already said who I want to play the Joker. And that was Willem Dafoe? Yeah. You know, you know who would be an excellent, a very good Joker? Will Poulter. Yeah. He would, especially I mean, young Joker. Yeah, yeah. Like they, although he he does kind of look like Jerome from Gotham. He kind of does. Yeah, he has the weird arching eyebrows, and he has that that douchey face. And like, oh my gosh, like, like if if you if you think that he can't pull it off, pull it off, man, just just watch his performance in Detroit, where he plays a sadistic ass racist cop. Okay, fucking, okay. I fucking right, hated his right, role right. in that movie. I'm sorry, but he was that good that I had legitimate hate for him. So I can see him playing the Joker. I mean, but DiCaprio, DiCaprio would definitely would would offer an interesting spin on it. But I I don't think finally doing fun movies now. He's always done fun movies: Django Unchained, Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, yeah, you're right. The Revenant, that was fun. I wouldn't say The Revenant was a fun movie. (laughs) I wouldn't call The Revenant fun. Wolf of Wall Street, that movie was amazing. Oh yeah, I seen drug use in me in ways I never thought I'd see. Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, you know the Quaalude scene. That was awesome. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but you know, I I would say that DiCaprio would be an in- interesting take of the, of the Joker. But I think that um, I don't know. I I don't know if DiCaprio is pretty is is has any interest in starring in any superhero or comic book film. Odds are he probably won't. He's too bougie for that. I don't want to say he's too... He's an, he's an Oscar winner now. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, their Oscar winners or Oscar nominees have starred in, you know... Okay, but he's a bougie one. He's, he's not... Bougie, he's bougie now. He's not bougie. I, then let me see him do his origin story that shouldn't be happening. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure DiCaprio has, has more interesting projects on, down, the, down the line, so hence... Yeah, probably the bougie movies that nobody will see but you. I mean, here's the thing, man. When you keep saying, "Oh, these are bougie movies," I mean, I mean, the artsy fartsy joints. See, you got to stop using term pejorative terms like artsy fartsy and bougie. Stop talking about the Undertaker. Uh, okay, I'll stop talking about the Undertaker All then. Right. All right, but you know when you because when you use terms like artsy fartsy and bougie, it just makes you look simple. All right. It makes me look like somebody who likes to have fun. It's like, uh, it's like, it's like you're saying that movies are only designed to to entertain and not nothing more. I mean, I like a good edutainment film here and there. See, look, you don't got me saying film. <laughs> yeah. But I like some I like some edutainment. The fuck? I'm watching Narcos. <laughs> Shit. Well, yeah. I it's mean, educational. I'm learning about some Colombian drug history. Yeah. And I'm entertained by it. Okay. All right. That that's and that's good, you know. You know, just branch out, you know. It's I'm okay. I'm trust me. I'm fine. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, don't, don't, don't be, don't be so simple, like. And then how about you? About, I, I, I like, branch out. I like you the movies. Loosen up. I like the movies where I like we when got you. We, I like when Vin Diesel drives the car through the three skyscrapers. That was awesome. I, that was amazing. That was amazing. I like. I like when Spider-Man swings in the air. It makes me feel good. And then you have your little bougie Ben Carson. <laughs> Welcome to your masterpiece theater type <laughs> films. <laughs> Like, since when? Gets, since when do I do the Oscar T Rex? Oh no, thing? you don't. But I just think it's fun. I, I just think it fits. Like, 
it fits the whole persona. I should post that meme that I made. You made a meme? I showed it to you. Oh, yeah. Don't. Yeah, well. Yeah, go ahead and post it. I don't care. All right. Shit. All right. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, what else? What else we got here? Okay, we got the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Retro Handheld Console. Mm. It comes with fifty games built into it, such as Asteroids, Pong, and Centipede, and features a two point four inch screen and an an AV TV output to connect to TV screens, and mm. it's expected to be out this Christmas. Mm. My dad would love something like that. Yeah, like an Atari Twenty Six Hundred retro handheld. I mean, it's kind of like the Switch, where you can yeah, you can put it to a TV and then you walk around handheld with it. Mm. Now, um, I wonder if it will come with ET. Now, that would be the selling point, possibly. <laughs> now, ET. Possibly, won- did. we got to find. I got to find a list of these games, and I'll post it on our Codex My Facebook page. Yeah, um, man, retro gaming, man, it's coming back in a major way. Well, more than ever this year, it Definitely. seems. Especially starting last year with the whole NES Classic. Yeah, which uh, which a bunch of suckers, you know, bought. That shit was fun. Man, you know... I, I thought I still have fun with it whenever I decide. I'm like, hey, I got some time to kill. Well, I just hope play that... Some, play some Mario. Well, all right. Well, punch out. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... I wish they had Kung Fu, though. Kung Fu was so good. Kung Fu? I remember Kung Fu. Kung Fu was fun. <laughs> well, I just hope that... uh. Uh, Atari won't won't will actually supply enough of enough, enough of these consoles. I'm sure they definitely will. Yeah, because Nintendo with their artificial scarcity, you know, I, I mean, I posted this on my Twitter. Nintendo is a scalper's best friend. <laughs> they really are, and their business model sucks. Yeah, they, before that, they they are a scalper's best friend. Yeah, they definitely are. Like, I mean, like I said, when I was in line to get my get my NES Classic, he was I'm only getting it just to sell it. I'm like, you're a dick. <laughs> yep, that's the thing. Uh, another news here, wrestling news. Uh, JBL has quit WWE SmackDown. So JBL announced last Friday on social media that he will be stepping down from his role as SmackDown color commentator to focus on his work with at-risk kids and communities. He will still be—he oh, will still be a part of WWE under a different schedule and will work on special shows such as tribute to the, to the troops, WrestleMania, and others. Uh, Corey Graves will be joining the SmackDown commentary team and will still announce for Raw. It's very admirable, and I like Corey Graves. Oh yeah, Corey Graves is an excellent. He's uh, a great talent, actually. He's a great on-air talent. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's on everything. He is. He's yeah, he's putting in that hustle, man. Not knocking him. Yeah, not knocking him at all. Yeah, you know, you know, I, to this I will say that uh, good. I mean, it's it's very admirable that JBL, you know, is working with at-risk kids. You know, that's very. No, I got a soft spot for at-risk kids as well. So yeah. You know, it's laudable work. I will say, as as a color commentator, I found JBL entirely insufferable. I like JBL. I think he's I think he's funny. <sighs> and he's an alleged bull- backstage bully. bully. Yeah. So I think this will be good for him. You know, JBL in very limited limited on air doses. That's that's my thing. I loved the, I loved his Legends of JBL series. That was good though. It was a good series. I wish that I mean maybe they'll have Legends with some other guy. Or some other woman. Well, I don't know because JBL has the, he does have that personality where he can connect with the legends and stuff because he's been in the game for so long. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, that's what I thought made it work. Hmm. Or maybe legends with Jr. That too. Or legends with the, the King. You know something. It has, it has to be somebody who's been in the game for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, Paul Bettany joins the cast of the Han Solo movie. Bettany will be, be will be is replacing Michael K. Williams' role in the film, as Williams was unable to return to photo shoot to photo shoots to reshoots due to scheduling conflicts. Bettany's character will now be a human under Williams. The same role was originally going to be a CGI alien. That's yeah. all you. This is Star Wars. That's all you. You're yeah. Yeah, so this is the uh, uh, Han Solo, uh, Han Solo movie coming out, uh, now directed by Ron Howard, doing all the reshoots. Um, I mean, Paul Bettany, Paul Bettany, I, I like him as an actor. Uh, he plays Vision on yeah. the Avengers. And the albino monk, on, Silas, the albino monk on the Da Vinci Code. Yep, that too. Um, I will say that I, I find it interesting that his character will now be human, but Michael K. Williams in that same role, he was just going to be a CG alien. And, you know, I mean, there's something that could be said by some people. The Star Wars universe, anything can freaking happen. Yeah. I mean, some people would say that, oh, well, why are you just going to cast a black actor to play a CG alien? You don't really see them like like Lupita Nyong'o with Asmaz Kanata and all this. You know, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm Star Wars out uh, to a certain degree. Like, I'm looking forward to the, to the main movies, episodes eight and nine. These spinoff films, y'all can have them. They're not essential at all. You'll still watch them. And up the supervillain, more interested in the Obi-Wan solo movie. Must have Ewan McGregor, though. And, John, by the way, I'm glad to hear that you're safe, too, brother. Yes, yes. Uh, John Haponic uh, holding down the fort down in Houston. Um, and uh, shout-out to everyone who's uh, you know, going through, going through uh, tough times down in Houston during, due to Hurricane Harvey. And about to go through some times with Hurricane Irma. Yeah, so be, uh, be safe down there, people. Uh, but, yeah, the... I don't know. He said he needs a second chance. Who needs a second chance? Ewan McGregor. I mean, I will say Ewan McGregor was one of the gen- one, one of the few genuinely great things about the Star Wars prequels because he was really good as Obi Wan. Um, what about Liam Neeson? Liam Neeson was. I mean, I mean Liam Neeson's always good, but his character was just a nobody, really. When Samuel he, Jackson <sighs> misused, underutilized man. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, between this Obi-Wan movie and the Han Solo movie, like I said, y'all can have them. I'll watch them, maybe for the sake of reviewing them on the podcast. Ideally, I'll just wait until I can red box them. Um, He's going to go to the movies and watch them. He will. As, I mean, it's, it's, he will. I mean, it's Star, I mean, Star Wars is a huge geek property. It's a huge corporate property. And uh, we have a podcast. And, you know, it's one of the big things that's in geek culture. So... <sighs> I, I mean, I'll, I'll watch them in resignation, except for episodes eight and nine, which I'm generally looking forward to. But the spinoff films, man. You start the countdown yet? Nah, I, I'm not going to start the countdown. Uh, that, that, see, that, that's, how, that's how apathetic I am towards Star Wars. I, I'm Star Wars out, man. Just give me episodes eight and nine. Just, just wrap up the sequel trilogy and be done with it, all right? I, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm, t- I'm tapped out. But, did, but didn't much. I remember hearing you guys saying in one of the early episodes that if you were alive for the original trilogy, the beginning of the original trilogy, you will not be alive for when Star Wars actually like completely ends. Uh, that well, that's that's possible. I mean, I don't I don't see a complete end to Star Wars. You know, um, it's gonna be one of those like ongoing franchises that's gonna go on forever and ever. At least maybe in a different form. Um, it, it'll be a, like its own genre unto itself. Possibly. Yeah. 
But we'll see. We'll see. Um, some other some other uh, news. Uh, True Detective. There's some new detective on the season three of True Detective. Um, as we said, uh, Mahershala Ali will be starring in it, and he stars as the lead character Wayne Hayes, who's a state police detective from Northwest Arkansas. And the series uh, will take place in the Ozarks, uh, where a crime mystery unfolds over the course of three separate time periods. So it's kind of taking the same format as season one, which took place over the course of uh, two decades. Um, uh, the series creator, Nick Pizzolatto, and uh, director Jeremy Saulnier, who directed Green Room last year, they will be co-directing this third season of the show. And Pizzolatto will be writing every episode with the exception of the fourth, which will be written by Deadwood creator David Milch. Now, uh, Green Room, isn't that the movie that you watch where Patrick Stewart plays a Nazi? Yeah. Okay. Yep, starring the late Anton Yelchin, one of his final roles, unfortunately. Um, that was a really good film. Uh, it was entirely uh, vi- very violent, very effed up, but still very entertaining. Which is right up your alley. Yeah. Whenever shit's fucked up, you just you're <clears throat> so in line for it. Well, I mean, you're a weird dude, man. I'm not a weird, weird dude. I'm not a weird dude, but here's the thing: like, it just so happens. I'm 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 a fan of good storytelling and interesting characters. It just so happens that several of the story of the good characters and storylines that I follow happen to be messed up in some way. You enjoy those the most. Well, it, it's it's not about it's not so much about oh I just want to watch effed up shit for the sake of effed up shit. I want to see how well done it is. You know, it's 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 not it's not shock value for shock value's sake. It's how well you do it. You know, like like the overnight, which I'm sure you loved. <laughs> the overnight was so weird. <laughs> yeah, it was. But we definitely discovered that you had a distinct taste for butthole art. I don't have a taste for butthole art. It's the characters in the fucking film. Oh man, that was so great. That was so great, man. I was listening to that episode in the car with my resident and he, like, when we broke that out, I never, ever, I've known him for, what, six, seven years? I'd never seen him laugh so hard. Wow. (laughs) Now it was to the point where we was in the car. Yeah, you're still, still to this day, you are referred to him as as butthole yeah, art. Your name is butthole art. So see, well, well, if it, if it brings joy to somebody, that's 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 fine. All right, butthole art. Well, shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let me, let's read this head last headline before we get into our main discussion, man. All right. All right. <clears throat> Want me to do it? Yeah, you can do it. Okay, yeah. Ed Scarin drops out of of the Hellboy reboot film. Yeah. First of all, I don't even think the. Let me finish. Yeah. Okay, the Deadpool actor was was originally set to play the role of. Benjamin Daimyo, mm-hmm. a Japanese-American character in the Cowboy comic series. However, in a statement he delivered on, tu- on Twitter last Monday, August 28th, Scarin explained that he was initially unaware that the role was originally an Asian character. And after learning this, he stepped down, expressing the need to for, for more ethnic, ethnically and diverse roles and that, and that to neglect the responsibility would, would continue in, worry ten- in worrying tendency to obscure ethnic minority stories and voices of the arts. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think there should be a, a, any Hellboy without Ron Perlman. Oh, come on. You're not going to give David Harbour a chance? Nope. David Harbour is a good actor. I'm sure he is, but he's not Ron Perlman. Well, I mean, Ron Perlman knocked it out of the park, but this is, I mean, this is way, I mean, we're not going to get a Hellboy 3, unfortunately, and Ron Perlman, he's up there, man. He's getting up there. It's all right. Um... You can be CGI and you can just voice. voice man, there's ways you can do it. 
Mm, nah. I mean, but I mean, I, I'd say that I'm giving this David David Harbor Hellboy a chance, and I'm and good on Ed Screen Ed Screen to drop out of the role, you know, to combat whitewashing, you know. Yeah. You know. Well, he's an actual. He's like an avid comic geek anyway. Oh, great! Nice. Yeah, that's why he was like so quick to sign on to play a- Ajax and Deadpool. Oh, nice, awesome, yeah, and you know yeah. what, uh, Anna? Yeah, plus dude's like around our age actually too, right? That's scary. Yeah, he's like thirty-two, I believe. Yeah, maybe a little older. Yeah, nice. So yeah, you know, this is a good, 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 good call from Ed Screen to drop out of the Hellboy role. You know, you know, give more representation to Asian actors out there, man. We're not invisible; they're everywhere, man. Give us, give us the roles that were meant. Yeah, to be we're played. only speaking to half of you. Yeah. So what? <laughs> I represent, son. My Asian peeps out there, shout out, big shouts. We're all okay. we're all over the world, man. We're like the hand. <laughs> speaking of the hand, <laughs> yes. Yeah, speaking of the hand, we are getting into our main discussion this uh, week. We're talking about Marvel's Netflix series, The Defenders, uh, which is the culmination of their uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and that one dude that Just nobody say likes. Say his damn name. I ain't gonna care. The Iron Fist. Yeah. Uh, Iron Fist. Yeah, that guy that no one likes. Um, so essentially, uh, uh, this takes place after, uh, shortly after the events of um, Danny Rand's uh, kung fu fighting show. The Iron Fist. Yeah, and um, you know what it is. Just stop. Just, just yeah, say it. Yeah, whatever. Um, and, uh, and and this show, uh, uh, Matt Murdock, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Danny Rand all meet up uh, to combat the Hand, who has some nefarious plans in New York City. Um, apparently there, and apparently this involves uh, resurrecting uh, Electra Nachios, who uh, who died, who was killed in Daredevil season two, but is back to life as their main weapon, the Black Sky. Now, can can these four heroes team up and uh, save the day? Will Iron Fist be a more tolerable character? <laughs> is anyone looking forward to Iron Fist season two? I think not. But let's get into it, Carl. What did you think of the Defenders? First of all, did you give the spoiler warning? No. Oh, yeah. oh yes. No. Spoiler warning. So for those of you who have not watched the Defenders yet, it's eight episodes on Netflix. Um, so it's pretty fair, fairly quick. We're gonna get into the spoilers of the whole of the whole series. So if you haven't watched it, be sure to just uh, press the mute button, you know, and, and keep the views up on our episode. Sure, definitely. Yeah, and uh, and once we're done, we'll just point to the screen, and you guys can you know unmute. Or something. We'll give you a signal of something. I don't know. All right. Or listen to, or listen later. Listen back later when you watch the series. Either way. Yeah, so there it is, your spoiler warning. So Carl, right. what you think of the show? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Just enough. Thirteen I feel thirteen probably would have dragged out a bit. Yeah. But eight episodes was perfect. Jesus Christ, my eyes like freaking killing me. But um eight episodes was perfect. Um I loved how they bounced, you know, how each, whenever they bounced from character to character, there was like a different, like different tint mm-hmm. to the scene. Like yeah. whenever they went to Luke Cage, it was yellow. Whenever they went to Daredevil, it was red. Jessica mm. Jones, bluish purple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iron Fist, green. Um, yeah. And I would have to say that there was actually, there was actually better character development for Iron Fist. Hmm. Okay. I mean, uh, like they they showed like he actually has an importance to the story instead of just saying, "Okay, here we got Iron Fist now. We'll throw him into the mix." 
Yeah, um, I would say that, um, like I said, I've I've only watched the first three episodes of Iron Fist, yeah. and I was already done because I found that those three episodes intolerable. And I found uh, Danny Rand to be a really uh, insufferable character. I'll get to that when I get to the Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say that as a supporting character, he's... He's great as a supporting actor. I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go so far as to say great. I, I like him as a supporting ca- character. I found him way more tolerable. I found him, you know, he didn't make me want to turn off my TV. But yeah, at the same time, you know, he works better with other characters. Um, but at the same time, I still... I still think that he's he's the weakest link in in the defenders. Chain. I would say so too. In a way, I feel like I can I can beat up Iron Fist. Yeah. Until his fist grow, glows. Yeah, and and you know I I don't with the Iron Fist I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's, it's if it's primarily the writing of the character or if it's Finn Jones' performance. They said a lot of people were saying that it's both. Yeah, or maybe some element of the two, but. Um, I I think Iron Fist is a, as as a character is rather lame. I think his power is rather I think lame. He, I, I would probably say I think he's gonna get better with time. I'm gonna give mm. I'm gonna give him some I'm gonna give him some hope. He poss- he could possibly get better with time. He's getting better, like I said, slight more better um, character development in the Iron Fist. Mm. I mean, in um, Defenders, excuse me. Yeah. And for the next season of Iron Fist, there's gonna be like a whole different team behind it. Okay. Hmm. So things no. uh, things can get things can get better. All right, and I and I'm pretty optimistic. I'm not gonna just completely shut it out. All right, well, that's uh, what you tend to do. I mean, hey, listen, man. There's there's too much good stuff out there to just like. Oh, definitely is, but I mean, still, you know, be optimistic. Optimism is key, man. I was optimistic about Iron Fist, and well, you saw how that turned out. Yeah. And but I do have a feeling that um the the writers of this of the defenders listen to the fans because I yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed the scenes where you know the other heroes were beating the shit out of Danny Rand. When when they captured one of the uh, was it Sawande, uh, so yeah, Sawande who was one of the members of the hand the, oh, yeah. of the Five Fingers, when they captured him and then um, they they were holed up in this like abandoned um, abandoned uh, theater and they were all they all went to turns they all took turns on beating the shit out of Iron Fist because he was so uh, obstinate so stubborn like oh you know I want to do this my way and then and Matt Murdock had to sit his ass down you know had to put the whip into him and. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think Iron Fist as as Matt Murdock's punching bag or Luke Cage's punching bag. I think that's that's the best role for him, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, you are so shut down. <laughs> I'm sorry, man, but he's just he's just not good. I mean, I I I get his perp his ult- ultimate purpose. Yeah, yeah. Which which was revealed in the final episode of the show. I mean, but when you when you really boil it down, his whole purpose is just to open a door. Yeah, it is. That, it is. That was it. And I was like, really? The story was still good. Well, the, the like the overall mystery, like setting up like the, the ultimate mystery of the hand and why they were there. I thought I don't know what I was expecting. I think I, I think for me That's probably what it was, because I do I didn't know what I was expecting. I knew like the hand was involved. Um Sigourney's Weaver's character, I knew nothing of it. I knew yeah. I had no idea what she was gonna do, so um, and I did not. I refused to even like look into it. Like I enjoyed the trailers and stuff, but I did not want to look into it. I just want to be completely surprised, mm-hmm. and that's what helped me like enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and um, the Sigourney Weaver, she plays uh the leader of the Hand. Yeah, um, Alexand- Al- Alexander Reed. Yeah. Alexandra Reed. Alexandria. 
Oh, Alexandra, actually, I'm sorry. Yeah, she plays the leader of the hand, and um, and she has all the she has the the four other members working underneath her, and they're all ha- and and their plan. I thought, I thought, I thought that the 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 ultimate reveal of the hand and what their motivations are. I thought it was a little unclear throughout throughout the defenders because I thought I, I expected something a little more epic in scale. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of boiled down to like basically the the five fingers of the hand uh, with Alexandra included. Like they all just wanted to remain immortal. You know, and um, apparently, like their the the source of their immortality or the substance was harvested from the dead dragon bones right. buried underneath New York. And I don't know if it's if it's the same dragon or one of the dragons that, um, or or the, rather, the same dragon that Iron Fist fought when he was in Kunlun, how he gained his powers. Um, I, th- I thought that was like really when it boils when it boils down to it was like just five old people just trying to live forever. I don't know. I, I thought that was a little lackluster. I, I I felt there was one thing I was disappointed at. I wanted to see Kingpin. Yeah, yeah. I somehow some way just like him showing up. He's probably he's probably gonna be in um, Punisher. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure. I probably when is Punisher coming out? I think it's coming out next year. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it's next year. Too much year. waiting for me going on now. Hey, there's plenty of shows you can get into, man. There is, but just Jesus Christ, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it would have been interesting to see Kingpin in this in this series, because um, I think he's like a, Kingpin working hand in hand with the hand. Yeah, see, hand, I see what you did there. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I think I think because Kingpin is definitely the most compelling villain in the Netflix series, and I think that like it, I think it would have been a smarter move. I was, well, the only thing I probably would say is Kill Kilgrave was a scary ass villain. Yeah, he was. He really was. Um, I'd probably say Kilgrave has him beat by like very little bit, mainly because of his powers. Yeah, I, I would say I would agree with that. Although, like, apparently there's, I don't know if it's confirmed that, but they're gonna try to bring Kilgrave back for Jessica Jones season two. I don't know how. He did, remember he did drink a he did drink a substance. Did in he? Jessica Jones? <sighs> so that's what I'm guessing that would bring him back. Something that makes him like the purple man. Like yeah. His, I don't know. I I I think that I think that would be a bit of a cheat if they brought him back. He's a, he was supposed to see. He was um the guy who plays him. I forgot his name. Oh, David Tennant. Yeah, he was he was seen on you know during the shoots. Uh, all right. Well, uh, maybe maybe it's a flashback scene. I hope. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, but yeah, with um uh, with Luke with uh. With with this series, the defenders. Uh, what are, what were some other elements that that you that you liked, and also, or maybe kind of felt like I enjoyed the corporate boardroom fight. Oh yeah, the that shit was that shit was dope. Hmm. Um, a lot of stuff which will I will get into with the in the Easter eggs. Uh, I just loved everybody's involvement. How they just brought how everybody was still separate, mm-hmm. and just the way they brought everybody together. Yeah, like I was. That was more. That was like. What I was really looking for the most, I'm like, all right, how is okay? We seen in the pre in the trailer how Matt Murdock meets Jessica Jones. I'm like, all right, um, we already know how um, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones still had that history. But I'm like, all right, yeah. how is Luke Cage gonna meet up with Daredevil? How is Luke Cage and Iron Fist gonna meet up and eventually will form for um, Heroes for Hire? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Jessica. Jessica Beals says Kilgrave comes back to give her the first car Jessica Jones drove. 
Um, I don't know if that's. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if that's a spoiler or a rumor, but we will see. We shall see. Um, you know, with with Luke Cage, I like well, when you mentioned the 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 boardroom fight or the hallway scene. Yeah. Because I, I noticed like with 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 each uh, Netflix series, Marvel series, there's always that hallway fight. There's always a hallway fight with Luke Cage. The the two seasons of Daredevil, I believe Jessica Jones had one. Um. It's like, it's like that that long take of like all. Oh, the she heroes. said it was a joke. Okay, no <laughs> oh, man, that could have been that could have been that's not implausible, but I, uh, but with the boardroom fight, I like the scene that led up to it where Luke Cage and Iron Fist had a sit down in the Colleen's dojo, and Luke Cage basically called Danny Rand out on his privilege and him being a whiny bitch. That's one of the that's one of the Easter eggs. Yeah, um, just, just to just to give my brief thoughts on it, I like the fact that uh, you know, Luke Cage told Danny Rand that you know you can't just go around beating up poor folks, you know, because and then Danny Rand's like he has a simplistic mindset. He's like, well, they're well, they're working with the bad guys, so therefore they're evil. And you know, you know, I was gonna kill, him. I wasn't gonna kill him. And then it's like, and then Luke Cage has to set him straight, like, yo, these dude, they don't really have a choice in the matter. They're just trying to feed their families. I mean, it's not like they can apply for jobs. I mean, they got to do what they got to do to survive. You know, and and Danny Rand, you know, him being a, you know, a, a privileged white kid, you know, he he has he has other other powerful means to to get what he wants, not just a gl- lame, glowy fist. Yeah. And you know? um, well, now that you mentioned that, I might as well just go to it. That was yeah. actually just a take on uh, it's like them saying, OK, we own where we messed up mm-hmm. with Iron Fist. Okay. So they were so they were kind of like taking a jab at themselves with that one. Hmm, I see. Like 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 messing up with Iron Fist and like like they cast a white dude to to play the role even though the character well was just white. the whole white priv- the the whole worn out white privilege uh, character mm-hmm. they were just like all right we know where we messed up with this mm-hmm. so we're gonna take it we're gonna make jokes about it we're gonna own it it's like it's like that episode of Family Guy when Cleveland came back okay and they roasted Cleveland. Like the other guys roasted Cleveland, they're like, and Cleveland's like, okay, this is constructive. It's just basically they were taking shots at their own property. Like, okay, we know we messed up with this one. Mm-hmm. Now let's move forward. Okay, I, I, I can I can see that, and because like their way of saying that, yeah, we know a lot of people have problems with the character, right? Um, and but but I will say that like with, with that scene between Cage and uh, and, and uh, Rand, I think that there's some. I can kind of see the seeds of them of them of having the their own show. Higher coming out, yeah, yeah, like where and, this, and it was told that it was said that they have great chemistry together. Mm-hmm. So and they really enjoyed working together. So Heroes for Hire could be coming. It could, and you know maybe maybe this will be the the show to actually make people or make Iron Fist a likable character. Yeah, because like I said, I, there's room. There's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. So you know. Now that they like switch the personnel of whoever's going to be running Iron Fist season two, yeah, um, it could be, it can definitely be an improvement. Yeah, we we shall see. Finger fingers crossed. You know, yeah, if, if yeah, because you know they do have a good chemistry. And, like, there's a lot, there's a whole lot of like social commentary you can say about their whole dynamic. Yeah, you know, Luke Cage. Like, I like his whole his whole uh, purpose in the story in, in the Defender storyline. Like, how he's trying to figure out how he can best serve Harlem, right? And be the man of the people and and whatnot. Um, and maybe maybe Danny Rand can can learn learn a thing or two from him, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, one character though that I that I always enjoyed on the show was uh Stick. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was kind of hurt when he killed him. I was shocked. Man, I wasn't expecting him to die, and I was just like, ah, oh, damn. 
Yo, I'll, I'll, Stick is a character that gives zero fucks. This dude he cut his own fucking <laughs> hand off. He really did. He was tied up to a pole, and he was like, <laughs> and he just ran off. He just he did what Deadpool did, and just left it with his middle finger up. <laughs> oh man, oh man, like just uh, I mean, I, I was I was enjoying the scene where um where the scene where Stick where Luke Cage is like has has Danny Danny Rand tied up. He's he's watching over him, and Stick bur- is burning this incense. Which gradually knocks out uh, Luke Cage, yeah. Luke Cage, and and Stick was about to be my favorite character in the entire Marvel universe, where he's about to put that katana blade right through Danny Rand's chest. Oh, Jesus he would he would have done he would have done the whole series a favorite, and Defenders would have shot up to be my number two show on Netflix. But what's number one? Orange is the New Black. Uh, well, among the Netflix series, Jessica Jones is my number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I rank Jessica Jones number one, followed by the two seasons of Daredevil, then Luke Cage. And by default, the defenders, and then Iron Fist is like at the bottom. Okay, I would probably I would say Luke Cage. Luke Cage is for the culture. Mm. I'm part of the culture. Yeah, Luke Cage. Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, in a way, was like creepy. It was like so. It was very suspenseful. Mm, so that's was. what drew, that's what really drove me in. Then um, Daredevil, Defenders, mm-hmm. and Iron Fist. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I can get with that. Yeah, it's a good order. Uh, let's see. Uh, you said you said that there were a bunch of Easter eggs that you. Wanted oh, okay, to, you want to get into that? All right. Well, yeah. um, the first one, uh, the new Harlem Renaissance ad. If you noticed that in the begin in the, the beginning where Luke Cage was coming was on his way home from prison, mm-hmm. on the bus there's actually a new Harlem there's a new Harlem Renaissance ad on the side of the bus, which was the ad which was. The uh, campaign for Mariah Dillard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Alfred Woodard's character. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, the next one is, um, if you notice that Luke Cage was wearing his um, signature yellow shirt that he has worn throughout the comics. And if you notice, too, also, like, well, Daredevil, always ha- he always had the uh, his outfits. Um, Jessica Jones, they showed her outfits from the comics. Mm-hmm. One time, and she thought it was ugly. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which it which it really was. Yeah, it looks good on comics, but not uh, not on a not the way they had it. Yeah. And um, Iron Fist is starting to get into the green, into you know his green outfit little by little, mm-hmm. which I was hoping they would get to. Yeah. But um, yeah. So you can start you can start seeing that they're starting to wear their more signature uh, outfits and colors. Mm-hmm. Um. Number three is uh, the in- references to the incident, okay. Which I guess which ties them into the much more greater MCU. Yeah. Um, there were two references to it. Mm, okay. Okay. The first one was an, a caller calling in for Trish Walker's radio show, mm-hmm. and he was in. Um, he made a mention of the incident, and then the second one was in Karen Page's office, which used to be um, Ben Urich's office. Mm-hmm. If you look in the back, there's um, headline, there's framed um, newspaper articles that were hit, and the headlines, one referring to the Battle of New York, or the incident, what they call in the uh, Netflix um, universe, and also next to it, you can see one that says, that says Harlem Terror. Now, mm-hmm. that actually dates back to 2008's Incredible Hulk. Okay. Where the Hulk was fighting the Abomination in Harlem. Oh, okay. So Abomination is the the terror. Right. Okay. So Incredible hmm. Hulk was part of, was 
the actually the was that the first movie in the MCU or did uh, Iron then Iron Man become come first? Uh, Iron Man was first. Uh, then, Incredible Hulk was okay. the second. All right. Now the uh, infamous Matt um, Matt Murdock Jessica G- Jessica Jones uh, Misty Knight scene where um, Mi- Jessica Jones was being questioned by Misty Knight yeah. and sh- and um, Matt Murdock comes in and mm-hmm. say Jessica stop talking. Who are you? I'm your attorney. I'm Matt Murdock. I'm your attorney. Mm-hmm. That is actually a direct reference to uh, Alias Number Three. Ah, yeah. Which which that scene was pretty much like to a T. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Uh, let me see. Number five, Stanley cameos. He was in there. Yeah. Where? In one of the early episodes, I want to say episode three, where uh, Jessica Jones was following Luke was not Luke Cage. Um, oh, was following Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock. Yeah. In the streets. Now, if you look in the kiosk in some of the kiosks in the back, you can see pictures of Stan Lee. Okay. So that's his. That's his little Stan Lee. That's the Stan Lee cameo that everybody enjoys. Okay, I didn't notice that. All right. Um. Number six, okay, when Matt, okay, in the scene where um, Jessica Jones visit, um, visited the architect's house, yeah, and they were quite, you know, talking to um, his daughter, mm-hmm. Matt Marta sees the piano, well, notices the piano somehow, some way, mm-hmm. and he goes, oh, do you play? He goes to play the piano, mm-hmm. and when he plays the piano, he finds one of the keys was off. Yeah. was a bit off, and then that's when they find the blueprints. Yep. Well, the song that Matt Murdock was playing was actually the theme song to The Defenders. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Number seven, we already touched on Danny Rand. Uh, yeah, Danny Rand's white privilege. Mm-hmm. So, that, like, like I said, that was Marvel taking a shot like, we fucked up. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know. We fucked up. Yeah. Right. Um, number eight, Misty's Arm. Yes. Yes. So, Mist. So, in the final episodes, Misty was um, tried to save Colleen Wing from being killed by um, a uh, Bakudo. Bakudo. Yeah. Did yep. I write his name right? Probably wrong. Yeah. No. I, yeah. No, I wrote it right. But then Misty's arm ended up getting chopped off. Yep. Now, in the comic books, Misty ends up getting a bionic arm. Mm-hmm. Although yep. it, in the comic books, it was made by Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Although this one may be made by uh, Rand Enterprises. Okay, makes sense. But I mean, I still would like to see Tony Stark get involved with it, get involved with the um, ABC Netflix series. So hmm. hopefully that can happen. Um, and then number nine, the reference to the real Night Nurse from the comics. Now um, this one's very hard, to, very like hard to catch on the first try, but. Um, even though the Claire Temple took on the role as the Night Nurse, the Night Nurse was actually originally from the comics. The Night Nurse's name was Linda Carter, mm-hmm. and if you notice, when at the end at the um, scene where Colleen Wing visits Misty Knight yeah. in the hospital, if you look on the whiteboard where traditionally, like in hospitals, uh, nurses, doctors and nurses really write da- they write down information. Mm-hmm. If you look on hand. If you look and where it says nurse on hand, yeah, it's L. Carter. Okay. Which is in reference to Linda Carter, you know, Linda Carter who tended to Daredevil in the uh, comic books. Gotcha. All right. And then the last one, Sister Maggie. Yeah. Now uh I wanna I wanna talk about that for a All second. Right. Um I'm gonna say that and this and this ties into my feelings about the ending. Mm-hmm. I think that the the ending of the Defenders 
and and the whole like last climactic action sequence when they're deep underground at Midland Circle, right? Where the where the the the, the dragon bones were, that really irked me because I felt like the writers wrote themselves into a corner. Because mind you, okay, so apparently um, the rest of the hand uh, they apparently die off, with the exception of Madame Gao, uh, the the Japanese one. Um, What's his name? I, I thought it was a really interesting character. Yeah, he was. The one who uh, didn't speak a lick of English. Yeah, Mur- Murakami. Yeah. Where we, the first scene we saw him was like in a couple episodes before that where he was like dissecting a, a bear. bear. Yeah. And I thought it, I thought it was really interesting. Interesting uh, yeah, character. Yeah, I would have loved to see, loved to have seen more of him. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like um, there's where, there's like, so so basically to set up this, the scene, like the climactic sequence takes place underground uh, Midland Circle, the skyscraper, and um, they're like 10, 20, like 20 stories underground. Right. And they're fighting all these hand ninjas. The, the, the defenders are fighting all these hand ninjas. Um, and apparently um, before that, uh, Colleen and um, uh, Claire, they set, they set some bombs around the, the building in order to destroy it. So... Uh, so um, towards the end, uh, I think the bombs get the bombs get set off, or there's some sort of explosion that happens, or one of the bombs gets gets, gets uh, one of the bombs explodes. Uh, Murakami, uh, he he ends up he ends up falling from the he- from the elevator as the defenders are trying to escape, and then he gets impaled on some rebar at the bottom, and then uh, Madame Gao comes up to him and goes, "What's going on?" And uh, well, Murakami's like in his dying breath, like like What's going on?" And then Madame Gao says, "The end." And so Daredevil is still underground, and he's, and he's fighting one-on-one against Elektra. Uh, Daredevil uh, tells the rest of the defenders to leave, to escape, to get to, to get to high ground to safety. And so at the end, he manages to fight Elektra Nachios. He manages to uh, get her to see the light, to kind of, you know, overcome her brainwashing. And so they embrace, they declare their love for each other. And so Matt Murdock and, uh, and Elektra, they embrace in a kiss as the, as the building comes tumbling down on top of them and they're underground so there's no visible means of escape. Yeah. And at the, and the very last scene of, their, of the Defenders is Matt Murdock waking up just fine in, 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 uh, just fine in bed with a with apparently who may or who may very well be his mother, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Sister Maggie. Nope, I'll get to that. So, mm. okay, like you said, Matt Murdock wakes up and wakes up in um, it's like a dorm for nuns, but I just cannot. I don't never. I never knew the name of it. Convent. I, I yeah. believe so. Well, yeah. Let's call it that for now. Yeah. Please, somebody correct us if we're wrong. Yeah. And um, the nun was laying was sitting at the side of the bed when he when she noticed that she wakes up and then she says. Get Maggie. Oh, okay. So, if Maggie is actually, could possibly be Matt Murdock's mother. Mm-hmm. So, and if you date back to, if you go back to Daredevil, when Stick asks her, where's the, mo- where's the mother? Oh, that's a whole nother story. Oh, that's right. That's what she said. That's what the nun says. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the comics, Matt Murdock's mother becomes mentally ill and then she gets taken in by the church. Mm-hmm. So this could be teasing a family, like a bit of a family reunion okay. for Daredevil, Daredevil Season 3. And mm. then as far as him escaping an imploding building, mm-hmm. which people have su- survived imploding buildings. Um, yeah, yeah, have you ever seen the movie World Trade Center? No, I haven't. Yeah, it was about two people who were stuck. Yeah, okay. In World Trade, and they're still alive today. Oh, okay. Well, 
that that's a, a grim example, but but <laughs> yeah, um, but a but a plausible one. Yeah. But I mean, my my beef with that, though, in the defenders, so that they were deep underground. Exactly, but then again, like, Madam Gal has powers. Do you think Madam Gal possibly would possibly would have saved them? She has moved like. She didn't move like a garbage can, uh, a dumpster blocking a door, like with. Oh yeah, with like ease she, with her Jedi mind tricks. Yeah, she's extremely powerful. Yeah. So maybe that could be a helping hand. We won't know until Daredevil season three. Yeah, and or maybe a little hint, whichever comes first, uh, Punisher. I believe Punisher. Yeah. yeah. So whatever hint we can come out, we can come out of that, but. I don't know. Like I, I kind of felt. I don't know. Maybe I, I kind of felt like the, the, the whole ending fight sequence could have been handled better than Possibly, it was. Yeah, yeah. And and plus, like when during during that whole fight, like there was a real. They had some really random music choices in the series. Like, yeah, Wu Tang. Wu Tang, protect your neck. Awesome song. It's a classic. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I was. I thought it was. I'm like, oh shoot, Wu Tang. All right. I mean, I, right. I, I didn't have a problem with it, but I'm I, not complaining. I didn't have a problem with it either, but I, I thought it was a little. Would you want little, some Beethoven or something? Like maybe like like a, like an orchestral score, like that kind of fits the tone. You know what I mean? Oh, a bit nah, better. Let them have, have some fun. Yeah, no, yeah, it, I had fun watching. I, I had fun watching that mostly because of that song. Yeah, I mean, it it, it, did, it, it helped. It made the scene fun for me. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll grant you that. Uh, Although there, there, there is a, there is one plot hole in the defenders because and and I and I read the spoilers in uh, Iron Fist uh, in the summary. Apparently, a uh, Bakudo who's one of the hands he died on Iron Fist. He, if you remember Bakudo, he died on the show, yeah, right? But if you notice, like for them to really truly because they can all be resurrected. Mm-hmm. With so, the substance, right? Yeah, with the substance. So in order for them to really truly be dead, they had to get their head their head chopped off. Yeah, that's true. Sarande's head got chopped off. Yep. Um. Bakudo's head got chopped off. Yep, sure did. Um, in a way, um, what was the Asian guy's name? Oh, Mirakami. Mirakami well, was kind of impaled. Yeah, he was impaled. Not kind of. He was, he was impaled. impaled. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think the only one who can possibly the, the two who can survive is Alexandra Reed mm-hmm. and Madame Gao. Well, that's right. We never really saw Madame Gao die. No. And that, she, and now knowing that she has some powers. Mm-hmm. Maybe somehow, some way, she got out in time. Yeah, possibly. Um, Maybe there was a tunnel that we just didn't know about. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big dragon from what we saw. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and also, um, Alexandra, she wasn't decapitated. She was not. She was yeah. just stabbed. Yeah. So she can be resurrected. She could be resurrected, but I think that okay, okay, because because here's the thing, like. There's a there's a bit of there's a bit of confusion like where the hand all the leaders said that they used the last of the substance to resurrect Electra, so I don't know if and and now that the the Dragon Balls are pretty much buried I don't know if Madame Gao did you say was, Dragon Balls or Dragon the Dragon Bones okay no you did say Dragon Ball I did not say Dragon Ball uh, now that the because now the Dragon Bones are underneath all that rubble deep underground. I don't know if Madame Gao extracted enough substance to keep herself alive or maybe to pro- potentially resurrect uh, Alexandra. Huge plot holes. Honestly, and that kind of makes me that that makes me look forward to the next hit and, you know, the next phase of the series because I'm like, I need answers. Yeah. I need answers now. Yeah, but it, it kind of feels like sort of like clumsy writing, though, in, in, in a way. I can see why you would say that. But. Yeah, but... 
but but all in all, I, I will say that the the defenders was okay. It it definitely wasn't terrible. It was not Iron Fist levels of bad. Um, I think that if you took out Iron Fist to, and and had better writing, it would have been an excellent series on par with Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and Luke Cage. But as it stands, I thought it was all right. I want to see more, and I want to see the Punisher join forces with them. Hmm. Even though he's more of like a solo, a loner. Yeah. That would be so dope. It, it like would. even just him, like j- just joining in on a couple of fight scenes. Yeah. Um, I mean, because John Bernthal plays the hell out of Frank Castle. He did. We slept on him. So I was like, yo, dude, he's short. He's short. He embodied that role. He really does. Like, he plays, he plays like, crazy, dangerous people like no one else can, man. <laughs> Shane? Yep. Right there. And we felt for Shane. Yeah, we kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. He he did what he thought was, was best, but, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, The Defenders. Um it's better bring than in it. Moon. He says, "Bring in Moon Knight." Yes, Moon Knight. That's no. I'm thinking Misty Knight. Is Misty Knight Moon Knight, or is that a different character? No, it's a different character. Okay. Um, I Moon will say Knight that would be. That's interesting. Hmm. I don't okay. know what they would do with that. Hmm. Um, I will say that, like, from the screenshot that we saw of Luke Cage season two, I do like to see uh, what Misty Knight's going to do like, as a now that she has that uh, bionic appendage. Yeah, that'd be and Tom Robbins says, Protect Your Neck was the only song that really stood out for me, especially the swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Nice shout-out to Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Dope, dope. But, yeah, that's the Defenders. Um, overall, it's not Iron Fist, so watch it if you're really bored. Otherwise, you're not really missing much. But if you've seen the other Netflix Marvel series, then for completionist's sake, you might as well watch The Defenders. It's eight episodes long. Um, and let us know what you yeah. think. Yeah. Send us an email at codexprimepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. As so we actually have one yeah, so right we, here. Yeah, so we got an email from a friend of the show and supervillain, uh, John Haponic. Subject line reads, reads, The Defenders, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> Uh, not even Hurricane Harvey will stop me from writing an email about how Iron Fist is lame and simply put the absolute worst. Yes. There is, there is no defense for that Marvel show, Carl. <laughs> for once, I didn't hate a Marvel property like the Defenders, but wow, did its quality decline towards the end. What a huge letdown with that ending. Once again, there's no closure, no end in sight. Even just a simple close of the chapter would suffice. And I find myself not caring again. I'd love to see a David Mack or Brian Michael Bendis Daredevil run and incorporate a lesser-known villain like Echo or Typhoid Mary instead of the Born Again storyline. Echo would be an awesome awesome addition. Uh, Admittedly, it was fun seeing everybody together in in the Defenders, especially with the first team-up hallway fight. I find I found myself caring the most about Daredevil and Luke Cage. They were the most developed, interesting, and human. Uh, Jessica Jones only makes me think of Don't Trust a Bitch in Apartment 23. (laughs) (laughs) And Iron Fist. Ugh. Why is he even there? Maybe now that his purpose is served, punching a wall, everyone can forget about him. Yeah, let's hope so. I'll give Defenders the silver medal to Daredevil Season 1, which remains the best, minus all interactions with the guy who created Daredevil's costume. Then Daredevil Season 2, until Punisher goes to jail. Then Luke Cage, the first four to six episodes only. Really? 
Jessica Jones preferred the comic, and Iron Fist was a train wreck that Victor could teach what not to do in film. True. Apparently still villainous. P.S. Why is the Punisher attacking the road with a sledgehammer in the teaser trailer? Whatever makes him happy, I suppose. But someone is going to have to fix that up. Yeah, that... All right. <laughs> well, thank you for that email, John. I honestly think that whole hitting, hitting, the, um, hitting the ground with the sledgehammer thing, that's just for it. I don't think that show serves no purpose in the story. In the story, it's mm. just cling, 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 logo, Punisher's coming. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of makes me think of John Wick as well because he does a similar thing in both films. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, that's our um, that's our email, and then on to question of the week. So last week's, uh, since it was based on Game of Thrones, yeah. Who do you think will end up on the Iron Throne? Mm. I mean, might as well talk about it now since we're not getting an episode till 2019. God damn, that's way too long. Yeah, man. So um, wow. Whose name I can't really read. All what? Sound it out. All will y'all dress? I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) It's weird, but they say Aegon Targaryen. Okay. Jon Snow. Mom to mom said, my son and I are watching season one and episode one, season one, episode one tonight. We're a little late to the Game of Thrones party. A little? (laughs) You think? Yeah. Raw on Cup Phone One says either Tom Brady or Jon Snow. Tom Brady. It's Brady pants, I swear. <laughs> so uh John upon it. I haven't watched the show since season one, so I guess Khaleesi. <laughs> <laughs> and Jessica Concussion says, I'm cheering for the dragon. Wow. Um I well, I know John Haponic he's not a fan of Game of Thrones because of the level of violence. Uh Get shot. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, knowing John, he says that he's not a big fan of gore and 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 hyper levels of violence. For shame! I will say, John, you're missing out on a show, but um, I can see him totally nitpicking the shit out of Game of Thrones, and he's he gonna will. make it un- un- not he enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, he would. So, this week's question. This week's question of the week: hmm. What book or novel would you like to see become a mo- become a movie? Hmm. Okay. What book would I like to see become a movie? There are actually some good ones. Um, I do have a few. Uh, sure. One that I would like to see, because just for just for the, the the sheer challenge of making it, is this book called, which I talked about on the show before, called A Confederacy of Dunces, uh, written by John Kennedy Toole. Um, that's it's like a it's like a comedy drama novel. Mm-hmm. And it's about this guy named Ignatius J. Riley, who's basically like he's 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 a bum, but he's like this pretentious douchebag who thinks that he's smarter than he actually is. And he's but he's an old dude. He's an older guy who still lives with his mom, and um, he's just basically an all around screw up. And and the, and the whole story it takes place in New Orleans, and um, it's a really weird, but also a fascinating story. It's 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 one of the best novels I've ever read. Oh, okay, and. Just reading it, you can see how difficult it would be to to translate it to film. Um, there was a there was a there was a rumor uh, like a few like like a decade ago that Will Ferrell was going to be cast as Ignatius Riley when when studios were where some studio was thinking about making the film, but they could never get it off the ground. Besides, it's stepbrothers. 
Yeah. Well, no, no. The, the, a confederacy of dentists is not like stepbrothers, okay? It's a, a, a grown man living in his mama's house? It's, that's the most superficial read you can think Carl Bird's a Carl Bird's. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, and he's, yeah, that's. Well, in a way, that's in, in a small way, that's stepbrothers. No, because uh, you didn't. Not, you hated stepbrothers, didn't you? I've never seen it. You ought to be smacked in the face. Okay, <laughs> if you like the other guys, you would probably you like you would like stepbrothers. Okay, I'll give it a chance. Um, shit, I don't have stepbrothers. See, for shame, man. Oh, but I always catch it on. T- I always catch it on TV, and then always like a couple of days later, I go I end up seeing my stepbrothers. So. Okay, well, just, there you it's go. Just funny. It's, uh, <laughs> it's something I always found funny. All right. All right, so yeah, um, a confederacy of dunces. That's one. Uh, uh, t- I have uh two other ones that I that I would like to see. Shoot, because I only got one. Uh, uh, these these two are uh are are written. These two books are written by Khalid Hassini, who wrote The Kite Runner, which mm-hmm. the film is based on. I would really love to see either um A Thousand Splendid Sons, which right. I think would make an excellent no- excellent film, or And the Mountains Echoed, which that I would I would see as more of a mini series. Because it's like it's like a multi generational type story okay. with multiple characters, so I would love to see those translated to screen. All right. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. Okay, I actually um have two. Um, I don't. I read a lot of like motivational books, so I um so it's very rare that I do read story like stories or biography like bi- or biographies. Sometimes yeah. I read those as well. Yeah. So um, I probably would say for the last story I've read, like fictional story. Um, well, Inferno was already made. The Robert Langdon, you know, books are being made into movies, except for one, The Lost Symbol. Yeah, that's the last that, book, right? No, the last one's Inferno. Okay. Then they made a movie on that, but the only one that they, the one before that was The Lost Symbol. Okay. So, and that, um, yeah, that's the only one. So I would love to have seen that one made into a movie. I know there was one character who basically, Dan Brown, basically just wrote for Morgan Freeman. Hmm. So I let's get that one off the ground before Morgan Freeman checks out. Yeah. Okay. And and then I don't think I've ever seen Tom Hanks and Morgan Freeman in a movie together. I don't. I haven't either. I don't think they've done I a film together. I can't take one off the top of my head. So hmm. I, that would be interesting because I always love Tom Hanks. Hmm. Yep. And um, the second one is actually a biography. Um, yep. My Voice by Angie Martinez. Really, I I can really see it's one of those one of those movies for the cult. It'll be one of those movies for the culture, mm-hmm. and I I can see like Adrian Bailon playing her. Okay, Angela Bailon. That sounds familiar. she used to be in that group Three LW, and she's done some acting stuff here and there. Oh wow, Three L Dub. Yeah. Okay. So um, and she has a very she has a very very interesting story. Hmm. Um, I still recommend anybody to um to read her book. Yeah, I remember you uh, recommended that. A yeah, while I let ago. somebody borrow, and they still haven't returned it. So I plan on getting it back soon. Okay. Oh, and I have one more. Go ahead. It's a nonfiction one. I would love to see a mini series of the Black Count about um, the uh, the real Alexand- Alexand- the father of Alexander Dumas, mm-hmm. who wrote uh, the Three Musketeers. Okay. Uh, the father of Alexander Dumas. He was actually a general. Uh, for the French army in the during the 1700s. Oh, okay. And his story is awesome. It's epic in scale. Like the the book Black Count, which is written by Tom Rice, that's an awesome read. Um, and I and reading that, I can definitely see that being like an HBO miniseries or even Netflix. That's oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, that really need. We need to see that on screen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. 
Yeah. All right, so there you go. There's our questions of the week. We will um, have that up on our social medias within a day or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, we are going to be on September 11th, next Monday, we are going to be at Raw Coco's for the Aftershock North America tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you can catch us over there at 5 p.m. Uh, we're going to be um, you know, kicking it with um, some of Aftershock's writers and artists, as long as some other local uh, comic book writers and artists. Yep. Um, their special guest will be... Uh, from writer Paul Jenkins. He's either an artist or a writer, one or two. Yeah. But he's definitely going to be there. So come through, check us out, show some love, say hey, buy some comics off of Reagan, get schooled by Reagan, because he'll do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, check us out. We hope to see you there next Monday. Yes. And, um, that's yeah. pretty much all I got. Yeah. Got? And uh, you can also find us all over the social media, all our episodes on Facebook Live, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes, and Google Play. Um, you, did you say YouTube? Yeah. Okay. Um, you can also find us on Instagram as well. All right. And also tune in next week, next Tuesday. We're yes. going to be joined by our uh, very special guest. Afternoon Neil. She's yep. uh, the designer of uh, Infamous Designs, her, her, her urban um, denim denim uh, clothing line. So yep. she's going to talk about that. And our main topic is going to be um, season two of Insecure. Yes. A lot, lot to discuss on that. And I'll probably be as raunchy as ever. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, if you haven't watched Insecure, you should. And I have a lot to say about this show for sure, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, be on, so uh, look forward to that. All right. So, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later.